Thanks, Jim. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, if you'd like to turn there, will be the text for today's message. Kind of an unusual text. You'll see it when you get there probably. But uh, next thing I want to say is thank you for allowing me the privilege of speaking here. Uh, This is a real blessing, and I had no idea. Now, I found out, I thought you guys actually stole that lighthouse from us because it used to be on our wall, and it was gone, but the lady who had it made took a picture of ours, and that's why it looks like that. So uh, if the police show up, tell them they're not needed at all, uh, that really there was an erroneous report made on that. Yeah. And you're... Okay, great, great, good deal. Right back here, yeah. And then I got to meet some of you, um, a couple right over here. We're at a a birthday party for one of our families, for Evangelina Sepulveda, 80th birthday party just a few weeks ago. Got to see them. Uh, Got some first-time visitors here. I won't point you out because I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to, you know, put you on a spot, but they're from Winnipeg, Canada, and good to have you here. And uh, then some folks from uh, Sunrise uh, in in the Santee, which uh, our church was the mother church to that church, and it's one of those cases where the daughter church outgrew the mother church, and uh, just a huge work there that God blessed in a, in a mighty way, and got to meet several of you a little while ago, and, and thank you for the privilege of being here. I, it's a real joy. I had never been here before. It's kind of interesting because three weeks ago or two weeks ago now, I can't remember, <clears throat> we were planning on coming here on a Sunday morning because we're, we're on a year's sabbatical. We just finished up 41 years pastoring at um, Ocean View Church in South San Diego. <clears throat> and so we're taking a one-year sabbatical, going to churches in the area, uh, visiting. But when we're not, uh, then we're preaching other places. And, uh, and I got your email, Rachel, right after uh, the, uh, that Sunday that we didn't make it here. And so it's a real privilege to be here. We're so glad to, to be able to worship with you today. I want to say Happy Easter to everyone. Not only because it's Easter in the Ukraine, this is when they celebrate Easter on this date, but also because every Sunday morning is Easter for the Christian, amen? We celebrate the risen Christ, not just once a year, but every single uh, Sunday, every single time we get together. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, very unusual, as I mentioned, everyone knows about uh, some of King David's sons. We know about the baby that unfortunately passed away shortly after birth. We know about Amnon, who's uh, committed a crime against his own half-sister, and then later on was killed for that. We know of Absalom, who was a rebel at home, who became a rebel in society and uh, died a rebel's death. We know about Solomon, who later on became the king, was the wisest man uh, that had ever lived to that point. But there were many more sons born to King David. Perhaps you're aware of that. And a few of them are mentioned right here in this text today. So in 2 Samuel 5, 13, And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem. And he came from Hebron. And there were yet sons and daughters born to David. And these be the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem. Shamua. I mean, really, come on. Can you imagine naming your son Shamua? It's, it sounds like should be in a in SeaWorld, you know, a, a sideshow there. Shamua and Shobab, Nathan, that's okay, that's a good name, Solomon, Ibhar also, and Elishua and Nephleg and Japhiah and Elishama and Eliada and Eliphalet. I want you to focus on those last three names, uh, Elishama, Eliada, 
and Eliphalet. And nothing else is mentioned in scriptures anywhere that we know of about these three sons, anywhere. And yet, uh, there's a message found in, in that verse. Uh, parents used to name their children after um, important events or important days or important people. Maybe you were named after your father or your mother or your grandparents. My granddad on my father's side's middle name was Wade, uh, spelled W-A-I-D-E. My dad's name was, spelled, was Wade, W-A-D-E. Mine's Wayne, kind of a contemporized, I guess, version of that. Uh, but people used to be named after uh, people like that, or maybe after religious or life events or great men or women of God. Jesus, as you know, uh, was literally means Jehovah's salvation, and Samuel means asked of God. Uh, but people don't necessarily do that today, not so much. You're more likely to find someone named after a rock star or, uh, or maybe some movie star or starlet. Uh, you know, there was several years back, Moon Unit and Dweeble. I mean, what in the world? Uh, I had a lady in my church one time named her son Boxcar. You know, I mean, come on, poor kid, Boxcar, what in the world does that mean? We had three children. Our first one was, um, was uh, Shannon, who's married to Matt, Howard's friend. And, uh, and she was 8'4", eight, 8 pounds, 4 ounces. Our second one was 9'4", Misty. So when we found out we were going to have a third one, we were figuring he was going to be 10'4". We'd name him Roger, and we'd be over and out. Uh, we, are over, we were over and out, but he wasn't 10'4". He was only 9'15". So uh, these three names, though, this Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet all have uh, the same root there, which is El, E-L, which everyone knows, obviously, is referring to God. And uh, in, in the, uh, the, the meaning of El, there's, there's the preexistent one or the one to be in front of, because El could be used in the old languages for any God, whether it was a real God, true God, Jehovah God, or whether it was an idol. So to distinguish uh, here when it's capitalized E-L, it is the preexistent one, the, the one to be in front of, the, the strong God. And so uh, what these three names mean, Elishama means God hears, Eliada means God knows, and Eliphalet means God delivers. The Bible is an amazing book to me. It's a profound book. People read it casually or don't read it at all and say it's full of error and full of contradictions. I've been pastoring or in full-time ministry for 46 years. I don't know of one person ever who's been able to show me an error or a contradiction in the Word of God. I've had a lot of people try, but they've not been able to show me one contradiction in the Word of God. People believe it's filled with contradictions because some professor somewhere told them that, and they believe that, uh, but the Bible is profound. Here is a text that you would gloss over. In fact, if you were honest, when you're reading through the Bible, sometimes you come to certain sections where you kinda, your eyes kind of glass over and you kind of slide on through and you say, Lord, you'll understand if I don't read all these Eliphalets and Elishamas and Eliadas and Shamus and all of that. You understand, Lord, if I just kind of slide through that. And yet here is a profound message. Elishama, God hears. Every time David saw that son, he was probably reminded of the fact that God hears prayer. I was uh, impressed in a favorable way that your leadership met together for prayer before the services. That's a good thing. Everything we do ought to be anointed in prayer. 
Uh, thank you for praying for the message. Thank you for praying for the children. Um, we, we need to pray. God, David knew better than anyone that God heard and answered prayer because as a little shepherd boy, he took care of his father's sheep out on the hillsides. And, and there was one time that a lion came and snatched up one of the sheep, uh, one of the lambs was going to carry it off and devour it. And, and David, no doubt, cried out to God and God gave him strength and he was able to deliver the lamb from the mouth of the lion. Another time a bear tried the same thing and the same result was found. Another time he faced a man who was nine feet tall. His name was Goliath. And here's this little ruddy-faced teenage boy going down into the valley to face a giant of a man that no one else in Israel would battle. In fact, Saul wouldn't even battle. Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else. He would have been the natural one to go down there, but he didn't. And so David goes down there with a sling and with those five stones. He would learn about prayer. In fact, I read about it today, and I think Psalm 59, I think, was the one where David was praying because King Saul was chasing him. King Saul was trying to kill David. David had been nothing but loyal. David had been nothing but faithful. Have you ever been there? Have you ever, you've been loyal, you've been faithful, you've done everything you know to do right, and people come down on you and people get on your case. Here, Saul wanted to kill David. You know why? Because when they came back from that battle with Goliath, the people lined up on the streets and they said, Saul has killed his thousands and Saul liked that part, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And they didn't like that part. Saul didn't. And Saul got jealous. And so he's going to put him to death. And many, many times, David was delivered because of his prayers. The Philistines, even after David became the king, many, many times he would pray and the Philistines would be delivered. And every time David saw this young man, every time he saw this particular son, Elishama, he knew and was reminded that God hears and answers prayers. And ladies and gentlemen, everybody here has prayers upon your heart. Everyone here has needs. Are you making those prayers known to God as families, as individuals? As a church, are you pouring your heart out to God? Isaiah 59, 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But then it says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So you see there's a condition upon our prayers being heard and answered, and that is that we make our hearts clean before him that we receive forgiveness. If I regard iniquity in my heart, David said in another psalm, thou will not hear me. So the answers depend upon conditions. Are we going to God on a routine basis? Are we going to God constantly asking God to forgive us and to cleanse us? A person who doesn't pray lives beneath their privilege. Dr. A.J. Gordon once said, if we depend upon organization and what organization has to offer, we'll get what organization can give us. If we depend upon eloquence, we'll get what eloquence can give us. But when we depend upon prayer, he said, we are brought face to face with what God Almighty can do for us. And God can do anything and everything. God once asked Moses, what's that in your hand? It was a staff, and he used that staff. You know the miracles that he could perform with a staff. I ask you today, what's in your hands? And one thing that's in every one of our hands is prayer. The opportunity to go to Almighty God, the opportunity to ask God when we don't know what to do, when we don't know which way to turn, when, when, we, when we can't figure out the right path to take to go to Him and to figure it out. Prayer is how we get things from God. 
I've got marked in my Bible that I was in Bible college, that I took to Bible college. I've got this lady's name right here. It's my wife, Pat. She wasn't my wife then. We were dating. And I was smitten, and she wasn't quite yet. She wasn't spiritual like I was. And so, so I wrote her name down. And, and Psalm 37, 3 through 5, trust in the Lord. And, and, and it talked about uh, he, he would give, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way into the Lord. He will bring it to pass. Aha! I put her name right there. And I began, I began trusting in the Lord and delighting in the Lord and, and, and committing my way to the Lord. And God gave me my wife. So I got her. We were getting ready to get married. Uh, and so we were looking for housing around the Bible college where we were attending. And uh, we, we hadn't driven more than uh, two or three blocks from the campus. And there was a guy driving a for rent sign out in front of a little bitty house. And she said, well, let's stop and check with them. I said, well, honey, we, can't, we can't afford a house. Great man of faith that I was. We can't afford a house. We got to go look for an apartment. You know, we're just starving college students. We don't have anything. How in the world is that going to work? Well, let's stop and ask. Okay, so we stopped and asked, and and we said, he said, well, yeah, it's it's going to be for rent. He said, uh, and she said, well, can we look inside? He said, well, there's people living there. I'll open the door, and you can kind of peek in. He opened the door, and she ran inside and started looking around. He was like, come back out. Said it'll be ready in a couple of weeks. So I said, well, <clears throat> um, how much is the rent going to be? He said, well, I was thinking about renting it for $45 a month. I mean, I, that's a long time ago, but that was still pretty cheap, okay? <laughs> I said, $45, do- <coughs> $45 a month? He said, yeah. He said, but in the wintertime, the utilities go up quite a bit. He said, the utilities can be as much as $15 or $20 a month. I said, uh, we'll take it. Would you take a deposit? He said, oh, I don't need a deposit. I said, no, no, please, let's take a deposit. Well, okay, how about $5? So I broke my arm getting my wallet out uh, real fast and gave him $5, and we had our house. We, we had the first church we went to work for in, uh, as a youth pastor in Taylorville, Illinois. We began praying. We, we got married in June of 1969. We began praying. Uh, for God to lead us where he wanted us to be. And we had two interviews with the same guy, the same pastor. Uh, by February, I think it's February of the next year, we had a place to go when we graduated that May. Uh, it's the way we've gotten every, everything, everything good. God has given to us through the opportunity of praying. Our church, a church growth, church buildings, property, land, uh, all of that. Uh, it's because God answers prayers. And, and I saw and I, I reposted it on Facebook today. Prayer does change things. It absolutely does. And it doesn't always change what we want changed. Sometimes it changes us when we pray. Prayer is the way we get things from God. Prayer is the practice of the early disciples. Prayer was the example of Christ when he would, he would go by himself sometimes and pray for long periods of time. The, the very night when he was taken and before he was crucified, he prayed with an inner circle who kept going to sleep. They kept falling asleep. But he was praying. He did that so much of the time. We only know, if you, if you total up all the time that we know about Christ's life from the disciples, we only have about 40 days or so, someone said about 40 days, and, and if you count, add up the number of times in those 40 days that he was praying before, early in the morning or late at night, it's an amazing number of times it was a practice of our Christ, and it's what he does for us right now. He intercedes in heaven. He's our go-between. He's our mediator. He's our only mediator. 
Sometimes people come in, uh, over through the years, and they come from different disciplines and different uh, theological backgrounds, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll want me to forgive their sins. And I remind them, I can't forgive their sin. I'm a sinner too. We're all sinners. It's Christ who is the mediator, the only mediator between God and man. He intercedes for us. It's the means of grace and mercy. It's the way we obtain fullness of joy. It is the answer for a heart filled with anxiety and panic. It is how we uh, get power from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Prayer keeps us from being weighted down with the cares of the world. Prayer accomplishes great things. Spiritual growth keeps us from sin, saves souls, and so much more. And yet, let me ask you a question, and you be honest in your own answer. How much do you really pray? A lot of us are guilty of foxhole religion. You know, we, we really, we're right there banging on the doors of heaven when we're going through a crisis. But how about when things are going good, just knocking on the doors of heaven and saying, thank you, God, for how good things are going. David prayed, and so can we. God hears the prayers of those who are unsaved who want to turn to Christ and have their sins forgiven and wind up going to heaven one day. He hears the prayers of a backslider who's gotten cold and indifferent toward the things of God. He hears the prayers of parents who weep for wayward children and grandchildren. He hears the prayers, as you mentioned, brother, for revival. He hears the prayers for a good pastor, someone to lead you, someone to to take this places it's never been before. He hears the prayers for finances. He hears the prayers for employment and jobs. He hears the prayers for visitors. Elishima, God hears. The second son in this text is Eliada. Eliada means God knows. And David learned this lesson all too well because a fourfold tragedy was the result of his so-called secret sin. Shame and sorrow followed David as a result. Sin was complemented with death many times over, and not just in his own immediate family, but many of the Israel, uh, Israelites died because of his sin. And you know the sin. I don't have to go over that, but with Bathsheba. And then, and then if that's not bad enough, and it was, then he had Uriah put to death. And the Bible says after that, David sent, after Uriah, after he issued the death warrant, for a righteous man who was named as one of David's mighty men. After that, he, he summoned Bathsheba to his house. She became his wife, and she bore him a son. But that's not where it stops, because the last part of that verse says, the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So where do you go to hide from God? He knows. You go in your house, he stands at the door and knocks. You go into the rocks, the Bible says in the last days they'll, they'll cry for the rocks to fall upon them. But let me tell you something, even if the rocks fall upon them, God will know exactly where they are. You're going to hide in the wind somewhere, he speaks calm to the wind. You're going to hide in the depths, he dwells there. You're going to hide in heaven or the far side of the earth or under the earth or in time or in space. God is everywhere all the time. There is no limitation upon God. There's only one way, one way to hide our sin. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And you know what? It doesn't matter how stained we are. His blood can remove those stains. His blood paid for our forgiveness.
how do we avail ourselves of the power that's in that blood? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And what else? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the Christian's brazen labor. One day, not too long before Jesus was crucified, just hours before, he celebrated the Lord's Supper with his disciples. He did a very strange thing then. He took a basin of water and a towel, and he bent over. And, and, and you know, you've probably you've probably seen they didn't have chairs and tables necessarily like we have. They would recline at the table and and uh, and on cushions, perhaps lower tables. And he went to the first disciple and began washing that disciple's feet. And then he went to another. He did something that a slave would do or a servant in a household would do. He washed another's disciple's feet, and then another disciple's feet, and he came to Simon Peter. Simon Peter said, Lord, you're, you're not going to wash my feet. And what Simon Peter was saying, I'm not worthy to have the Lord of glory, the King of kings, remove dirt from my feet. I'm not, I'm not worthy of that. But Jesus said, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. Peter says, on second thought, give me a bath. Head to toe, give me a bath. Jesus said, that's not what's necessary. You've already been cleansed by grace through faith. But your feet, the daily walk, need cleansing. And that's what happens. We, we're God's children by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And, the, and, and receiving what he did for us and dying on the cross, being buried in the borrowed tomb, being raised again, we're his child, we're clean, we're forgiven, but we get contaminated and dirty walking through this world. And so we come to him and we say, Father, forgive me. I messed up today. Please wash me. Nathan stood before David, pointed his finger at the king and said, Thou art the man. You're the one. You're the one. So what are we waiting for? We know what we've done. God knows what we've done. We can't hide it from him. Confess it to him. Ask him to forgive us. Forgive those who sin against you and, and ask God then to forgive us for the sins against him. Find forgiveness and cleansing. Elishama, God hears. Eliada, God knows. The third son is Eliphalet. God delivers. Now, quite frankly, the second truth of God knowing would be unbearable without this third truth that God delivers. God hears, God knows, and praise God, he does deliver. He can do something about our situation. He can do something about our dilemma. He can do something about your personal needs, your church's needs, our nation's needs, the world's needs. He can do something about all of that. Others maybe can hear about it. Others maybe can know what's going on, but others cannot do for you. And for us, what God can do. He can deliver us from foolish pride. He can deliver us from drugs and alcohol. I mean, over the last 40-some years, I can't tell you the number of people delivered from heroin, de delivered from um, methamphetamines, delivered from um, alcohol. One of the sweetest ministries that we had over at Ocean View was Celebrate Recovery. The power of Christ being able to be the superpower who can deliver us and, and heal the hurting 
help those who are dealing with some terrible um, habit or hurt. He can deliver us from immorality and pornography. The statistics in today's culture, the, the chances for young men uh, not being involved in pornography are, are astronomically stacked against them because of the availability of pornography on computers and on phones and on iPads and all of that. And guys, you better, you better understand that you, you, you're not above it. You are not. There's not a single sin that others commit that we as Christians are not capable of committing. You better protect. There are, there are service, internet services you can get that will protect, that will uh, monitor what, you, what sites you visit and report to people uh, what you visit, that you designate, and, and you better do that. Or uh, Look, my wife knows my password. She knows my computer. I say, get my phone, get my computer, get my iPad, see what the history is, look what's on there, feel free anytime, day, night, whatever. I want you to do that because I know that I am vulnerable as a human being, but I don't want it to have a hold on me. He can deliver the huge number, huge percentage of guys hooked on pornography and immorality today. He can deliver from emptiness and hopelessness and despair. I don't know. When you lose hope, you lose everything, you know? When you lose hope, then you're vulnerable to all kinds of attack, all kinds of problems. He can restore hope. He can, he can deliver from moral or mental or physical bondage. And, and, and so it's up to you, folks. God can deliver. He can deliver. The problem is not with God. The problem is with us admitting that we have a need, confessing it to God, and asking his deliverance. Why not yield to him your life, your heart, your all? David had many children, but three reminded him of great and powerful lessons. God hears, God knows, and praise his name, God delivers. So is God hearing your prayers? Oh, wait a minute. Are you praying? Because God can't hear your prayers if you're not praying. Well, God knows what I really, but for whatever reason, he wants us to make it known to him. He wants us to articulate that to him. Is God hearing your prayers? Are you praying? God knows all about you. Have you confessed to him your weaknesses, your failures? Have you gone to him? He knows all about you. You may as well uh, open up to him. God wants to deliver you. Have you cast yourself completely upon him? If you're here this morning and you've never put your full faith and trust and confidence in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he can deliver you from eternal hell. He can deliver you from the power of sin that pulls us ever downward. How does he do that? By joining a church? Nah. By getting baptized? Nope. You can get baptized every church in Coronado and still go to hell when you die if you've not received Christ as your Lord and your God and your Savior. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And whosoever, blank check, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the mouth confession is made, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Would you bow your head just for a moment? Every head bowed for a moment? I don't know if you normally how you normally handle the 
an invitation, or I, I know that you have them sometimes, but let me just ask you to, to look into your own heart right now, not to be worried about anybody else or anything else, but let me just ask you to look into your own heart. Are you praying? Have you had time with God today? This is his day. Have you already spent time with him? I hope. If not, the day's not over, and your life's not over yet, and so, so God hears, but he, but he only hears prayers that are made, so if you're not making prayers, he's not going to hear them. If you regard iniquity in your life, he's not going to answer them. What a, what a storehouse of, of power and, and incredible wealth spiritually is laid up for those who will pray. God knows all about you, even the secret things. He knew about David's secret sin. He knows about the things that you and I don't want anybody else to know about us. He already knows about it. We can confess them to him. You don't have to tell anybody else. Just tell God. Ask him to forgive you. And God wants to deliver you from whatever is taking your time, your effort, your energy, from whatever is diverting you from doing what God created you and saved you to do. Father, I pray your blessings upon this church and the people who are gathered right now. I pray, Lord, that you would make us men and women of prayer. I pray that you would help us to be transparent before you. And I pray, God, you, with your almighty hand, would deliver us from the evil one and from things that would be destructive. God, I pray your blessing upon these young people who are here in the auditorium and the younger people who were dismissed a little while ago because they're targets. Satan would love to destroy their lives. God, may they remain dedicated totally to you, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Can we do just an a invitation? Uh, I, is that okay? All right, let's do that. Let's stand. And you know what? Maybe, maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe God's laid something on your heart right now. And I, there'll be leadership up here. If, if you need someone to pray with you about something, uh, ask a couple of the leadership team members to come on down. Um, if you need to come and join the church, they'd be glad to talk to you about that and the way they receive members. If you'd like to come and just confess some things to God and get some things taken care of, you can do that. Come and receive Christ as your personal Savior if you've never done that. Whatever it is God's leading you to do as our worship leader leads us in an invitation hymn, you come on right now. But you know what? Here's the thing. Don't wait to the 43rd verse because we're not going to sing 43 verses, okay? We're going to sing whatever the worship leader and team, leadership team thinks, two or three verses, whatever. You come right now and your church is in need of direction. Pray that God would give you the direction that you need as we sing.